God. Everybody that wore purple tonight was flowing in God. Yay. Praise God. There, uh, there is some material back there at the, uh, at the table. This one, uh, Living to Him. I don't know, it just is this truth that just keeps going over and over in me. Um, recently, I got a picture, you know, from John 15. When we'd ever start um, a prayer school up every year. And way back in those days, uh, Brother Hagen would always start prayer school off at the beginning of the year, and he'd start always with John, the 15th chapter, and the 7th verse was the golden text. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will, and bless the Lord, it shall be done unto you. Uh, but I just saw something so interesting about, about the, uh, the, private, the private life of prayer and the public display of the results of prayer. And uh, so much energy a lot of times can be gotten into the production of a result. But actually, uh, if, if attention is given to the private life of prayer, and that's you abiding in him and his word abiding in us, then we ask what we will, and it shall be done. And I just saw this upside-down tree. You know how you have, you've seen the picture of the tree that's big on the top, and then you also have a picture of the root, the whole root system. And, um, yeah, I, I saw that, only it was upside down, that the roots were up in God. And, uh, and the branches extended to people below, you know. And as far as your branches, the branches of your life go out, you can give fruit to people around. But you can't bear fruit any more than your roots are in God. And so... Uh, you know, we just, we just depend on him. And so a little, little effort and little energy has to, be, uh, has to be given to bearing fruit when more energy is given to our communion with him, communion with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the result of that communion is that he puts things in us that bring forth uh, great things, God things. Amen. So this is just another way of saying even that. It's living to him. And then this one is loosed in the fire. This is an oldie. That's an oldie. But I suppose also this is an oldie. <laughs> Sometimes I forget I've got these until I look at them. I think, wow, that's old. I've seen this one for years before we went on the mission field. Oh, that's old. No, that's a long time ago. Anyway. Uh, but it's good, and, and it works. And how many of you have ever been um, loosed in the fire? I mean, your same situation, but you were really happy. <laughs> Isn't that better than being sad in your situation? So anyway, this is loosed in the fire. Uh, and they'll help you at the table. There are just some, some things that will assist you. We have an orphanage in Nepal, and uh, sweet precious little kids and just dedicated a home that we built there a year ago year and a half ago and um, they were so cute they they made a special presentation for us you know and somebody had given them presents from america a little spongebob square pants wash rags and those little girls had the sweetest little little boys too had the sweetest little nepali outfits on and they had SpongeBob SquarePants wash rags on their head. 
They just thought that was the coolest thing. For me, it wrecked the outfit, but it, it, but it was also so sweet. You know, they just thought it was so special. But uh, everything that comes, everything that uh, uh, is purchased at the table, it's a blessing to you, but the proceeds go to the orphanage. So that's, that's what that is. And so um, uh, the word will be a blessing to you, but the finances will be a blessing to these little kids. So anyway, just letting you know. Um, praise God. Oh, I want to pray. Praise the name of the Lord. Did anyone pray? Did, were your motors idling all the day or running all the day? Uh, Jesus is praying. He's the high priest and so thankful that he's touched with the feeling. He, he was taken. Uh, he wasn't, he wasn't um, uh, somebody who wasn't acquainted with our, our feelings. He wasn't crucified as a baby. Uh, he would have been an innocent one. But anyone could have been crucified as a baby and be innocent. He wasn't crucified as our Redeemer as a baby. He wasn't crucified as a toddler. He wasn't crucified as a baby boy. He wasn't crucified as a teenager. He wasn't crucified as a young man in his 20s. It wasn't until he was 33 and God on purpose made sure that he was touched with the feeling of anything that would ever poke us. He made sure that it confronted Jesus. And aren't you thankful that he did? So we're just so glad that he lived. He lived for us. And, um, and he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities when uh, we aren't moved. Uh, we can be. We can, we can be prompted by disaster or, or bad situations. We can be prompted to pray. Actually, uh, there's some people who just will not pray until they are absolutely... Um, They've got a gun, so to speak, to their head. And, uh, and then a prayer will come out. And you know what? God responds to any kind of prayer. I still remember 9-11. Don't you still remember 9-11? And, and we'd, we'd, driven from, uh, we'd driven from L.A. We were out here, and of course you couldn't fly anywhere. So we rented a vehicle, cause we had, we, and we had to cancel our meetings. Uh, we had to drive then to Oklahoma. And um, uh, we stopped in New Mexico. There's a real church of prayer there, a real praying church there. And uh, anyway, boy, it was jam-packed. I don't know about here, but uh, and people, you didn't even have to say, oh, come on, lift your voice. You didn't even have to. You, you just said, let's pray. And it was, bah! <laughs> just called on God. And what I, what I love about God is that he never gets like we would get or like humans would get, I suppose, um, where, you know, we kind of get in a, in a myth about that. Like, what are you coming to me now for? Hadn't seen you since the last disaster. But he, he's not like that. Aren't you thankful that he's just so kind and merciful and so whenever anyone will cry out to him, anyone will pray, even if, it's, even if it isn't the prompting of the Holy Spirit, even if it's just a, a disaster that makes them pray, you know what? He's happy to, he's just happy to listen to us. And so what we were talking about last night is when we are prompted by external situations that are not so good to pray, 
then rather than speaking immediately into the situation, it's, it's good to, to draw upon a conscious connection with God. Again, because of John 15:7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done. It's just that when you're abiding in him and his word is abiding in you, and it's that, it's that two plus two equals four. It's not just his word abiding in you. It's also you abiding in him, a relationship with him. The man, Jesus Christ, and God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Uh, when, when there is this beautiful communion, then you ask what you will. But actually, at that point, uh, what you will is what he wills. And so the two wills become one. You and God are in agreement, and uh, it just is going to happen. And so we end up asking what God wants to have asked, and we ask how he wants it asked, and, uh, and, it, and it comes to pass. There's just no way that it won't come to pass. And so praise the name of the Lord. Um, but the Holy Spirit also, I, I, I thank God uh, that we don't have to wait until there is a situation like a gun to our head to pray. It, and I believe that the body of Christ, uh, there's ones in the body of Christ are learning the response to the Holy Spirit, the initial response to the Holy Spirit, rather than a, just an initial response to disaster or a problem or something bad because if we learn to respond to the Holy Spirit's direction in prayer, then we're not behind time, we're on time. And we're in time. And we're in His time. Praise the name of the Lord. So, uh, you know, then also, uh, when we're responding to the Holy Spirit, we pick up what the Lord is um, is sensing what our high priest is sensing, and he senses things or he sees things in the mind of the Father, and uh, and the purposes of God, the plans of God. So you're not waiting to pray for those things; you pray for them before they come to pass. Not only that, but you end up praying for things that we don't know about. And it's a wonderful exercise of the Holy Spirit to pray beyond our minds. Oh, thank God we can get out beyond our minds. And, uh, and then, but last night we were talking about inquiring the Lord so that we're, our mind actually can get in agreement with God. And so it, it is that we want to pray by the Holy Spirit, through our spirit, but Thank God, by the help of the Holy Spirit and the Lordship of Jesus, our heads actually can get in line with God. They don't have to be going right when God is going left. They don't have to be going backwards when God is going forward. Our heads don't have to give us a problem. But I'm telling you, it's uh, it's putting our head on the altar a lot of times. Just... Uh, Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Putting that thing on the altar and letting God do brain surgery. We have a, a common friend, different ones uh, out here know uh, Carol Cooper. She used to be Carol Cerulli. 
And uh, she's had the hair, same hairstyle for 30 years, 40, maybe 50 years. And I only say that because I, I wouldn't want her to change at all. No, not at all. She's just wonderful. She looks like Cleopatra and is just a marvelous, marvelous uh, sister in the Lord and a, a woman of prayer. But uh, I said only that to say that there's nothing, you know, she doesn't, yeah, she, she's really calculated. She's like a high C type of a personality. And she was a, an executive secretary for Sun Oil and, you know, just everything in place and always the same, you know, just Carol. And she came to Raymond, you know, and she was, she was, um, I love her story, you know, but she, she helped to, she had got it in her heart to pray and the Lord signed her up to pray. She resigned her job and, and just started volunteering, uh, to pray. And she did it like all the time, full time, except when she was helping mom Goodwin and, um, Day in and day out, you know, she would just be there, just there. No one knew she was there. Sometimes I would pray, you know, every week I'd pray with her regularly, but not every day. But she was there before the Lord every day. And like Anna in the temple, but she was before the Lord. And uh, I remember one day we were, we were in the prayer room. I just had something uh, that we just had, we just experienced there. I had something happen to me while I was praying with Carol. And, um, I said, uh, I don't know. It's like an explosion of expectancy for the future. It, it exploded on the inside of me. And sometimes you just don't know what physically to do with glory. So I just started running and we were in that, uh, in a prayer room over, uh, you know, that's over the, uh, RMA um, uh, auditorium and that sec there's a little second floor of prayer room pl place up there. It's kind of a thin room, skinny room. And, um, I just started running and I, I, and <laughs> I just started running and I ran up the wall and I came back down and ran this way and ran up the wall and it, she didn't have the same explosion. And so she just sat there and she was like, oh, praise the Lord. You know, she was trying to come along. Have you ever had one of those, you know, like you're trying to be supportive and thinking it must be good. What's happening? <laughs> Whatever it is. And, uh, and so you were not wanting to quench it or anything. So she, you know, but I, I, the explosion I had was about her. And, uh, wow. She went on a trip. Then a couple days later. And uh, about four days later, she was engaged to be married. She was 40 years old. The re and, you know, remember, I, so when she called and said, I'm getting married, I said, Carol. <laughs> Who? <laughs> there was no one on the horizon. Because I got back in my head and there was no one in the horizon in my head. But my heart saw something that my head didn't see and it made me run. <laughs> I was so excited in my heart for her, I had to run. And, uh, and I said, but Carol, what about your clothes? 
And she said, he wants to buy me new ones. What are you, what about, what about your car? He wants to buy me a new one. She needed one too. Who's going to do your wedding? I'm going to go on to Estonia or someplace. And when I get back, his whole office staff, he's a doctor, is going to plan on the whole wedding. She, in, in a month, in one month, this 40-year-old woman was married, had four children, a beautiful home in Pennsylvania, you know, no wonder I was running. She was running after she fell. Oh boy, she's been, she's been running ever since because it's just the, just a beautiful thing. I, and I remembered that when we started praising, God knows our future. And so when we come whining into the throne room about the way things are, it is a complete disregard for his planning skills. Because the plans that he has for us are good. They're not disastrous. Hallelujah. I won't make you stand back up, but let's give up a hoot for our future. And our children's future. Woo! It's good. It's good. It's good. It's not bad. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good for Lily. It's good for Anna. It's good for my husband. It's good for our church. Hallelujah. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is prayer, you know. This is prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Hallelujah. 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 You say, did you get a special revelation about the future? Yes. We were singing about it tonight. In Isaiah the 40th, or yes, Isaiah the 40th chapter. So sit down and look at it. It's so plain here. A voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Low things in your life, low things in our church, low things in the church shall be lifted up. Ha, 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 ha. Let's just thank God that low things are coming up. Low things are coming up. Oh, thank God. Thank God low things are coming up. And every high-minded or high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God is coming down. Hallelujah. That must be a big thing because of all the things that, that Zechariah could have been praising the Lord for when his son was born. Of all the things that Mary and Elizabeth could be praising the Lord for, one of the things that they did praise the Lord for is that the proud shall be abased. Evidently, that's a really important thing. 
Because there were a lot of things you could be praising the Lord for. But high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God are, are barriers. <laughs> they are being broken. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. Every high thing is coming down. The rough places be made smooth. The rough places plain. And then look at the next phrase. And look at verse 5. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Yeah, that's the part I was, I was praising the Lord for. Hallelujah. We've heard this statement before. If you, if you don't aim high, you think if people say don't aim too high, you might not make it. But if you aim low and, not, and don't make that, you know, you don't get anything. If you aim high and it's not quite as high as you get it almost as high, at least you get something. But when we're praying according to the word of God, that God stakes his validity or his his truthfulness up his very person up he sw- this is one of the time he swore for the mouth of the lord has spoken and another time he swore by himself he swore that the glory of the lord would be revealed then it's just then it's just going to be interesting to see how he pulls that off what he what he likes to have is some people that will take him up and be a landing strip and say, I believe you're here. And even if it looks like all hell is breaking loose, it's not what I will hold fast to. I will hold fast to your word that says the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. That's a high target. Now let me show you another high, a high thing that we can be praising the Lord about because our futures are are good first uh, Timothy the second chapter of course you know we know where this starts exhort that first of all prayer supplications intercessions of be given uh, and interse- uh, and givings of thanks be made for all men for kings and for all that are in authority that we might lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For Now watch this. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Then look at the next phrase. Who would have all men to be saved. So already we've seen the verse of scripture, verse 5 of chapter 40, that he wants all flesh to see the glory of God. This verse of scripture, he'd have all men to be saved. God has big plans. Big plans. Then go to, to Mark, the 16th chapter. Mark 16. When you pray, anytime we pray, if we can get over on God's ground, what God is thinking, prayer is easy and powerful. And we have confidence that whatever we ask, we shall receive. There's such boldness in it. There's not pleading and begging. 
When you already know what God wants, just get over on that ground. In fact, Jesus said, when you pray, believe. Believe. And so it's good to not do that kind of praying, of requesting or declaration or proclamation until you believe. And that's what we were talking about last night. Come into the place where you seek God. Find out what he is thinking and and embrace that. Take that. Believe that. And from that place of believing, pray. So now we're just, I mean, there's many things that we could look at about what, what God believes. But, uh, or, yeah, what God is in God's mind. But we're just looking at this. These are high things. High things. Mark the 16th chapter, and we look at the last, uh, the, the last words of Jesus here. He said, go into, uh, go into how much of the world? How much of the world? And preach the gospel to some people. See, God's vision is really big. All flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it who would have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Mark 16, we see, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. So this is big. This is God's big goal in prayer. And uh, so, you know, we're going, to, we're going to pray some things that have to do with our time. Any time that we can line our prayers up with this as an end goal. This morning, oh, we had such a good time. The word this morning was so powerful. If you weren't here, oh, it just was, it was Holy Ghost adrenaline. It helped us. It always, oh, it was just such a good word. And, uh, uh, but when I was praying, and we were praying, we were praying about victory. And uh, I remembered this prophecy. In fact, last night I was thinking of it too. It, but came back up to me again this morning because we picked up on that word about victory. And there was this psalm that Brother Hagen, he'd get over in psalms and one would come after another. He'd say, I have another one coming up. And then I'd have another one coming up. And, uh, but one that frequently came up was, and I've just been looking over these Psalms again, was this one called victory. And it it would say victory is not in people or places. Victory is not in things around you. Because you think if that could change, then that would be victory. Or if that person would do, or if that person would be, or if that person could be in office, then that would be victory. He said, victory is not in places or people. Victory is in the one who came out of the bosom of the Father and conquered death, hell, and the grave for us. He is victory. You always have victory if you have him. So for the church to walk in victory, for us to have victory in, uh, in our own personal lives, if we want to have victory as, as uh, our churches that are, that are represented here, if we want to have victory um, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in this nation, our victory has to be located not in people or places or in parties, 
our victory has to be firmly placed in the one who can shoulder the weight of the victory, and that's Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! He is the victorious one. Amen! Isn't that wonderful? Every believer can agree that he is the victorious one. Praise God. To shoot low in prayer, to shoot low in prayer, and I, I just have it so much in my heart and did ever since the January. You guys were down in Florida in January. Ever since that time, I just had it in my heart. God wants us to pray large. He wants us to pray. He wants us to pray from the platform. He wants us to not pray as just normal normal human beings that are not sons of God. He wants us to actually act like who we are instead of the chickens scratching around in the, in the barnyard uh, uh, that Brenda was talking about this morning. He wants us to pray as eagles that have a, have a view from above. God's view. Amen. So, uh, yeah, I was thinking and thinking about it again this afternoon. Uh, and I've j I was just reading a book here recently of an, of a, and reading it again, uh, this old missionary by the name of E. Stanley Jones. I really like this guy. And uh, he was mighty in God. He was a, a wonderful missionary to India. And was a personal friend of Mahatma Gandhi. And, uh, and they used him. They used him. Uh, he, he was a representative, even though he was from, I think he was from West Virginia. Whenever he was introduced in the, in the countries where he served the Lord, he was introduced as a statesman of the kingdom of God. Kind of like... Uh, uh, who, uh, you know, what's his name? T.L. Osborne it was, is like that too. It, he's received into countries as a man from heaven. Wouldn't that be neat? Jesus was always introduced as a man from heaven. People, they said, no man has authority like you. You're different than anybody. And when Jesus ever introduced himself, he, he didn't ever talk about Joseph and he never talked about Nazareth and he never talked about Bethlehem. He talked about heaven. And that's why he got heaven results. Because the Bible says he that is born of the earth is earthy. He that is born from heaven bears the mark of the heavenly. What mark does the church want to be having? If we have only the mark of the natural, then we just produce the natural and shine it up and do it better, maybe. But, oh, we're called sons of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we embrace who, who we are and where we came from. 
our homeland. Just like the first father of faith, Abraham, looked for a city whose builder and maker is God, even though he was living in or he was, he was going around in the land of promise, the one that God told him belonged to him. He was still, he was still just sojourning in that land because he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. Your heart belongs. The part of you that lives forever doesn't belong anywhere on this planet. It belongs to heaven. Hallelujah. How many believe in heaven? You get a few people up there and I'm telling you what, you really believe in heaven. I believe in heaven. And I have a father there. And my oldest brother is there. And he is my hero. He saved my life. Father sent him to get me because no one else could save me. And I couldn't save myself. And Jesus came and got me. And I love him. <laughs> oh dear, that embarrassed me that my dad did that. My dad's a Pentecostal preacher. I got that. It's just different when a man does it than when a, you know, anyway. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, I tell you what. He's real. Isn't he real? And, and that place is real. And our connection to that place is real. Amen. So I, I was thinking, I was thinking about, about interesting times in history when uh th like this man e stanley jones he they they called upon him the u.s government called upon him and the japanese because he was so involved in all of asia and highly respected by by governments he moved around as a as an ambassador of the kingdom of god isn't that amazing like a statesman for the kingdom of god Statesmen recognize statesmen. It's just the truth. You, and he operated, he operated in that office. And even natural governments recognized his office. So Roosevelt called on him. The, the, Japanese, the Japanese government called upon him. And, uh, and they were trying to stay the the impending war and had a letter that he'd written gotten to uh, the emperor of Japan one day earlier at Pearl Harbor would not have been. But after Pearl Harbor, his testimony was the same as what I've heard Lester Summerall say and what Lester Summerall said, uh, MacArthur, General MacArthur said, he said, send missionaries Sin missionaries now. This country is broken open. And, uh, and this E. Stanley Jones was saying the same thing. He did go there. He was one of the missionaries that went. MacArthur asked for 100,000 missionaries. And I think about 100 went. The church, the church after, because its goal was national victory. Listen. Its highest step was 
national victory instead of the highest step. We, we laid two, two atomic bombs down in that country and we got national victory. Yeah, we did. But that country is still one of the most behind nations where the kingdom of God is concerned. Because we didn't shoot high enough. So after, and it did, it brought an end to World War II. And now so we're done. Because we have national victory. The war is over. Not for the church, it's not over until all flesh shall see the glory of God. Not until, not until the gospel is preached to every creature. That's our commission. Our commission isn't just to have, you know, there is, there is verse 3. It might lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who would have all men be saved? So after, after we got a national victory, then sh -sh -sh -sh, that's it. And Lester Summerall grieved. He grieved. And uh, th this, other, this missionary, Stanley Jones, also grieved. They, as many people as, as were there were leading people to the Lord, the Japanese hearts were absolutely broken wide open. They were disillusioned with their ancestral gods. They were disillusioned with everything. They were absolutely broken to the core. The nation was. The whole nation could have been reaped. But we settled for national victory. The church in a nation has a greater responsibility than just seeing to national well-being. We have a great commission. And it is for the salvation of the souls of men. Because after a national victory can be won, and, and praise the Lord for any kind of a victory, but while national victory can be won, if those people aren't born again, they will still go to hell for eternity. But at least they would have lived a little happier in the 60 or 70 years on the planet. That's what we want. That's the highest. A better economy. Better education. How about eternity in heaven? What would that look like for a nation? That is God's thought. All flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And I tell you what God's idea for America is. It's for the people to be born again. For people to be saved. So and then it comes into the mind. It begs. It begs. It begs. Well, then, then who? Then who? Do, 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 do. No, 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 no. Don't, don't even touch that yet. Until we completely embrace the mind of what is important to God. So important that He gave His only begotten Son. And that son became sin. That's huge. What? 
so we could just leave it quiet and a peaceable life? Have a better education? So at least you can be smarter before you go to hell. So at least you can pay some of your bills before you go to hell. Guys, it's got to be clear of what's important to God. It is, you cannot even reach. You can't even reach. You can't, I tell you what, by coming up to the highest possible place, the highest possible place, actually, all men being saved and coming to the knowledge of the truth isn't even the highest. It's this one right here. You know what's the highest? James, fifth chapter in the seventh verse says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. For the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth until he receive the early and the latter rain. I tell you what the highest step is. is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is waiting. He is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He's not waiting so we get our second mortgage done or get the interest rate on houses down. He's not waiting on that. He's waiting on souls. Jesus said he would see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. The only thing that will satisfy him isn't just seeing certain people in different places of authority. What will make him satisfied is when people are able to be born again and taken out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son. When people are able to receive healing in their physical bodies because he was pleased to put people's sickness on his son's back. And that message doesn't belong to the church. That belongs to every human. And until every human knows what Jesus did, then we're hogging something. We still better preach the gospel to every creature. Do you believe this? Are we okay? And don't, do, do we love the mind of our Lord? Aren't you glad that he has never compromised his high value? What is, what is his highest thought? Well, I told you what the second, second to the highest step is. And these other things are important. To lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty is important. But so that all men can be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it. Praise the name of the Lord. Do you see this? There is a higher, the highest place that you can pray from gives you the greatest bearing on everything below it. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming again. Can you say it? Jesus is coming again. And from this place, the importance of Jesus coming again, people must be saved. And for that to happen, then nations are going to just have to accommodate. Whatever is going to help that happen, that's what we want. Are you guys okay? Let's, let's, look, let's dive into something here. Go to Daniel. I've been ironing in Daniel since the first of the year. 
Jesus is coming again. Tell somebody, Jesus is coming again. Souls need to be saved. We had funny doctrine, you know, uh, or maybe uh, not funny doctrine as much as funny songs. Oh, even it's a little bit funny doctrine. But it's somehow, you know, it's amazing how God proves everything and holds fast to that which is good. Even God does. Aren't you glad that God proves everything in your life and holds on to what's good instead of holding on to the bad? He does. <laughs> so we sang this song, life is filled with guns and wars. And everyone got trampled on the floor. Isn't that an edifying song? I wish we'd all been ready. Children. I wish we'd all been ready. Anyway. Um, somehow singing about those things, we got to thinking, we got to get people ready because Jesus is coming again. Getting people saved wasn't so much so we could have a bigger church and a greater ministry as it was because Jesus was coming again. And we absolutely got eaten up with the idea. And that's what, that is what gave kick to the Jesus movement in the 1970s. And it will give kick to any move of God. Embracing the fact that Jesus is coming again. That's why we have revival. Not just to have a big ministry and yea, even a bigger ministry and yea, even a greater ministry and glorious things happening and yea, even greater things happening. God has an agenda and it's not ours. When Jesus came to the earth, it wasn't just to have a great ministry. He had one. He had an amazing ministry. He was very popular. He was very famous. He would have been the minister of the day. And so it just looked idiotic when he gave it all up to fulfill the plan of God, which made no sense to anyone, including his mother. Sometimes the plan of God doesn't look like it makes sense. But aren't you glad Jesus did something that didn't make sense? And when he did what didn't make sense to anyone, including his mother and his three closest disciples, at least one hung with him at the cross. John stayed with him. Everyone else left. One of his three best disciples denied that he even knew him and cussed to prove it. No, no one got it. No one got it. But everything lined up to accommodate the purpose of God. The government lined up to accommodate the purpose of God. Pilate played his part. Caiaphas played his part. Everybody else played their part. And it all worked absolutely pristine. And it looked asinine to man. The wisdom of God is foolishness with man. Do you reckon that God is still smart? 
Do you reckon that, they say reckon in Australia, do you reckon that he is still smarter than us? We're not so sure, are we? I think we could counsel him and give him some tips on what to do in this generation. He probably doesn't know what to do. And that's why we have prayer meetings, to tell him what to do. We tell him how to do it. We tell him when to do it. We tell him who to talk to. We tell him what to do and do this and do this. And you do take this one down, put this one up. I, I, I reckon God has a plan. Do you know that God has a plan? And uh, the last event that was this big, top shelf, top shelf big, top shelf big, was the redemption of mankind. Top shelf big. And everything had to line up beneath it. People, governments, everything lined up beneath it and fit into it. Now the next event is the second coming of the Lord. And the devil's going to try to do everything he can do to stop it. But he won't stop it. Because we have precedent. Remember what second, what second Corinthians or first Corinthians, the second chapter, second Corinthians, the second is what, which one is it? That if, if the, the princes of this world would have known second Corinthians two, first Corinthians two, take your pick. If they would have known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. It didn't make sense, even to spirits who have been here for ages. And they could have, you know, been, and they'd been looking. They were, the stills, they were the same spirits. They were the same spirits that organized mass murder of boys in Moses' days. Mass murder of boys again. When Jesus was a little boy. Same spirits. And they were befuddled at the brilliance of the plan of redemption. I'm telling you, God's going to pull some stuff off that are smarter than any of us all put together. All put together. Hallelujah. Let's let go of... Oh, if this doesn't happen, then that can't happen. If this is a, if we can't do this, I tell you what, that, that's why Peter was rebuking, Je rebuking Jesus in Matthew, the 16th chapter. Can we just turn there? We'll get to Daniel, but look at this in Matthew, the 16th chapter. Oh, guys, help us. God, help us. Trust the Lord. We love you, Lord. We trust you. But it seems that you need some help up there. Let me tell you what needs to happen down here. We see it from a different angle, God. It seems that you have lost vision over, you know. No. He is the ancient of days, but he sees just absolutely everything clear. The devil is not going to even stop the plan of God. Not even close. 
And everything he does to try to stop it will actually be a part of his undoing. Matthew, the 16th chapter, he said this. Verse 22, Peter took him aside. Oh, isn't that nice? He didn't want to embarrass him in front of all the rest of the guys. He wanted to talk to him personally. He wanted to make eye contact with him. He wanted to, you know, that bonding thing. He, you know, Peter had been with him in a, a lot of different things. He'd been on the Mount of Transfiguration. He, he'd been there in, you know, Jairus' daughter's room. He'd been there, you know, a special, special disciple. And he knew he was special. He knew he had that heart connection. So he pulled him aside. Lord, let me just tell you the way it's going to be. He took him aside to speak to him privately. And began to reprove him. Reprove the Lord. Reprove the word that created the worlds with perfect order in the beginning of time. Reprove him and charge him sharply. This is the Amplified. Do you know what is the greatest wonder? What is the most amazing wonder about this verse? is that Jesus didn't just go, boing. Just like, you pimple. So he said he charged him sharply saying, and then he's getting spiritual here. He's waxing spiritual with the second person of the Godhead. And he says, God forbid, (laughs) Lord, this must never happen to you. What must never happen? The cross, the highest thing on the platform, the highest thing on the platform. No, 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 no. That you would die? No, that should never happen. And he was feeling his, you know, because just a few verses before Jesus had said, blessed are you, Simon Barjonas, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And he's going, oh, I am so hearing from God. <laughs> so in verse 23, Jesus turned away from Peter and said to him, get thee behind me, Satan. Wasn't even a little demon. It was Satan. I tell you, some of the strangest advice to God comes out of people that are close to him. Because they feel like they start knowing something. Our strength isn't in our great intelligence. Our strength is the strength that Jesus had. And it's complete dependence upon God. We can't do anything without him. He said, get you behind me, Satan. Now look at this. They they amplified. I don't know if you have the, okay, yeah, you got it. Get behind me, Satan. You're in my way. When I read this one time, I cried. Because I thought, I'd never want Jesus to ever look at me and say, you're in my way. You are in my way. I, God have something to do and you are hindering me he says 
You are in my way. You're an offense and a hindrance and a snare to me. Look at this. You're minding what partakes not of the nature and quality of God, but of men. You know, I think what could be refreshing in the courts of heaven is for the body of Christ to trust the head. Trust the head. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray the word of God and then trust the head. I just, I've had in my heart for a while. Before the end of time, things are going to look really unusual. And it will separate people who trust and people who trust in their own mind. So then we sing, oh, for grace to trust you more. Let's trust God. Let's trust him. This isn't, we're not going to lose. We're not going to lose. Mm-mm, no way. No way. No way. I, I believe, I believe that what God needs to have happen and bring a fulfillment to what he purposed in, in the nation of America will be completed. Don't you believe that? How? 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 When I'm telling you what the whole world is talking about our deficit. But it is, it is world news. They're all saying it's the end. How can it work? How can it work? I think this would be a good time to move over. Let him drive. Hmm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I was thinking of this song yesterday and today. Trust and obey. Because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. But to trust and obey. If we were writing the song, maybe we'd say, we'd say, you know, this person or that person, if they'll get in office, that's how I'll be happy in Jesus. No, my happiness is not in people or places or things. Our happiness, our victory is in one man, and that is in Jesus Christ, the first and the last. <laughs> Praise his name. Let's say Jesus. And let's declare that name. Hallelujah. Are we okay? Can we look just a little bit more? Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus is coming again. And we want him to come again. <laughs> Hallelujah. So many things straighten up when Jesus comes again. It's true. You know, um, I was, I, my husband was listening to, and we, we listen, we've listened to it a lot. Uh, 
we really liked uh, that song, uh, you know, what they sing? We are the world. We are the people. I really think that's such a pretty song, isn't it? Isn't that a pretty song? So, you know, my husband, because they had all different singers, you know, and uh, he and I've seen him cry, you know, singing. <laughs> He's so cute. He cries. This time in his life, he cries about many, many things. We were in that. We were. Uh, we went to watch uh, the, a movie, The Help, and um, uh, there were only four of us in the whole theater. We were there in the afternoon, and uh, and there were two other ladies and Tony and I, and he was heave sobbing. He was like, <laughs> my husband. I love him. He's such a man. I just a wonderful man. <laughs> I love him. Anyways, what was I saying? We are the world. We are the people. We are the ones who make a better way. So let's start giving. There's a choice we're making. Who sings that? Who was in that? Who did that one? Bruce Springsteen, I think he did the second one. We're changing our own lives. We're saving our own lives. It's true. We'll make a better way. Just you and I, or just you and me. Oh, we just like it. We knew all the words. We'd stand in the living room. We are the world. <laughs> so one time I was at the kitchen. I was watching. We, we were singing it again. Oh. And I started paying attention to the words. We are the world. We are the people. We are the ones. We, we humans, humans are a, the ones who make a better way. So let's start giving. It's a choice we're making. We're saving our own lives. What does that sound like to you? That sounds like man, man, man. What's the number of man? <laughs> I know, I know. But I, I tell you, uh, man, the strength of man is going to grow and grow and grow. The strength of man to save itself, to communicate with itself, is going to grow and grow and grow. The spirit of Antichrist is in the world. It just is. And it's not, ug it's not looking ugly. It's, looking, it's like it's, we're saving ourselves. On you, Jesus. We don't need you. We're saving ourselves. You see? We need Jesus. It's good for the church to know that we need Jesus, though. <laughs> that Jesus is really wanting the church to believe that, the, that we need Jesus and that the world needs Jesus. So where were we going? Daniel. Praise you, Jesus. Say, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. The revelation of Jesus is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Hallelujah. And all flesh will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Daniel. Daniel, interesting guy. Uh, and we, we're just going to get to a certain place tonight and then we'll, we'll cut off and, uh, and we'll pray. But, uh, 
Daniel. He was, uh, I'm just going to read some of these things because I, I went through all of these different charts to find out all of these things. I'm just curious. I'm curious about what Daniel saw. Daniel uh, was about 15 years old when they drug him off along with um, probably more uh, several boys. But for sure, the three guys that were going to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those are their Babylonian names, but uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he was, a, he was about 15 years old. Already in that short lifetime, do we have any 15-year-olds in here? Or do we have any, you know, 14 or 16-year-old? Do we, do we have any? Okay, good. Okay, what are you guys? Okay, so about you guys' age, about you guys' age, up to, are you guys twins? Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to me. <laughs> Actually, it did. I could just say, wow, I just love this. And it's just double happy. It's just beautiful. So, okay, so it, about you guys' age. And, um, and so they were, live, they were living in Jerusalem. And um, already in their short life, they had had three kings. He was about three years old when the only good king in a long, long time shows up. That little guy started being king when he's eight years old. And then, uh, but but that guy really cleaned stuff up. Josiah was his name. He cleaned things up. Uh, And, uh, but it was towards the end of his life, really, that Daniel was born. He was probably only alive three years of that, of that king's life. So he only had a good king, one, uh, you know, about three years of his life. I think it could have made an impact on him, though, because he, he really was a godly king. And then a ne- the next king's name was Jehoahaz, and he was only king three months. And, uh, and then the, 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 he got drug off in chains to Egypt. Now, this would be something for you to see. As a, as a kid growing up. And uh, the turmoil, you can imagine the national turmoil that's happening in your country. You know, when, when one of your kings die and the next one is drug off in chains to Egypt. Then the next guy comes on and his name is Jehoiakim and he was king for 11 years. And the king of Babylon came and got him. When he came to get King Jehoiakim and drag him off to Babylon, that's when Daniel went to Babylon. About 16 years old, Daniel went to Babylon with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he lived there in Babylon into his 90s. Amazing. So he lived in this, uh, this interesting country. He, he, he was drug off. Uh, under the leadership uh, of King Nebuchadnezzar, a very powerful king, very amazing and and hungry for for territory king. He'd stop at nothing to get more territory king. All right? So he was there. uh, He was there under this man's kingship. But not only that, uh, after Nebuchadnezzar died, there were... Seven other kings that Daniel was alive, uh, 
and in a position of counseling, in, a, in government position. There are only four uh, kings mentioned in the book of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar, Belteshazzar, Darius, and Cyrus. Uh, but there were uh, an additional four before Cyrus, or uh, before, uh, yes, before Cyrus came in, and Darius. And so it's interesting that the only reason why these four are mentioned and the other four are not mentioned, the only reason why these guys made it to the Bible is because Daniel had visions or the king had visions that had to do with the plan of God. I want to just say this in such a way. The reason these kings even made it to the Bible is because either Daniel had a vision or they had a vision that had to do with the plan of God. Otherwise, does anyone even know the names of the other four kings? I had to search for them. And I, and I found them, but I still don't remember them. They're nothing. And yet they were kings. They came and they went. And all the time, Daniel remained representing God. Very interesting, don't you think? Not only in Daniel's years, he was in 75 years, 75, 75 approximate, maybe plus years in Babylon. Not only was he there through the, through the reign of eight kings, but he actually saw with his eyes the end of an empire. That's huge. And yet that's not what... The end of an empire gets two verses. And the visions that he had that had to do with the plans and the purposes of God took up chapters. I think it's so cool. Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar had two dreams that it ended up Daniel was the only one that could get any information about it. This is as far as we're going to go on that. I'd like you to look in, in Daniel, the second chapter. We may talk about Daniel a little bit more, but we'll, let's look at something that comes out in Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was an amazing king. But uh, the ones coming up after him, uh, especially Darius and, uh, and Cyrus, are really significant to the plan of God, and they're Babylonian kings, Persian or Mede or Persian kings. Doesn't he, they're, not even, they're not even Jew, and they're huge to the plan of God. Cyrus was even called by name before he was born, prophetically called by name. God even called him his anointed one. He's a heathen king. We'll talk about him tomorrow, but let's look in Daniel, the second chapter. 
and let's look at the uh, 10th verse. I don't know. These things just help me get perspective. You've got to have perspective when you're praying about national things or else you just become partisan. You become weird. You become very human instead of son of God. And it's absolutely flies in the face of the redeemer. It, it drags very low fleshy prayers into the throne of the most high God. And I don't think it's befitting. Let's pray, Brig. Makes you want to stand up straight when you pray. He's God. Sometimes when you, when you fellowship with this part of God, you know, I, I could understand why Jeannie Wilkerson sounded the way she sounded. Because you, you, you get close to the majesty of God. And you, you quit whining. And you know that fear is totally inappropriate in that place. Because there's no fear in love. There's no fear in God. You don't drag that in that place. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad to be a child of the living God? Who was and is and is to come. He's God. So let's look at this. It says in verse 10, you know, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. He was trying to get the, he was trying to get his enchanters and magicians and everybody to interpret it. And they couldn't do it. In verse 10, the Chaldeans answered before the king and said, um, because he couldn't remember the dream. Remember that he couldn't even remember the dream. And so he said, tell me the dream and tell me its meaning. And so, and, or else you're going to die. So they were like, and so the Chaldeans answered before the king and said, there's not a man on earth that can show the king this matter. For no king, lord, or rulers ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. Then look at verse 11. I love this verse. It is a rare thing that a king requireth, and there is none other that can show it. Can you do the amplified? It's a rare and weighty thing indeed that the king requires. None except the gods can reveal it to the king, and their dwelling is not with human flesh. That just makes me want to run around the church right there. Because they didn't know yet. John 1 verse 14. And he became flesh and dwelt among us. <laughs> God's always wanted to be with us. He was with Daniel. In this covenant and because of the cross. He's not just with us. He moved inside. So look at this. The gods can't reveal it to the king. Oh, only, only gods could reveal it to the king. And their dwelling is not with man. What they didn't know is that God was dwelling with Daniel. Wasn't in him, but he was with him. What they didn't know 
is that there was a plan of redemption coming where God would not only be with us, but God would be also be in us. But what does this God do? What does this God do? Well, we see down here in verse 19, then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision because he prayed, he, he inquired of the Lord, he asked the Lord to help. And in verse 19, then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night, and Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, because wisdom and might are his. But now we're in 2012. Do you imagine that God is still wise and has any might? Yes, indeed. Look at what God can do. He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my Father, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known to me now that we desired of you, for you have made known to us the solution to the king's problem. Verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Can we just say that first phrase? There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Say it again. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. I'm not just talking about people's dirty laundry. He reveals secrets that give answers. Yes, he can expose things that are wrong. He can do that too. But in the stories here, it wasn't about exposing things that are wrong as much as it was exposing answers. Do you imagine God has answers for America? Not, not ones that are brought, not, not, not ones that are come up around the table of a party. I'm talking answers that come from heaven because there is nobody, nobody that can have an answer to pull this thing out. But there is a God in heaven. And we are his sons. And he reveals secrets and he's made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what it shall be in the latter days. At the end of days, you're dreaming the visions of your head upon your bed are these. The reason why God could reveal it is because he gave it. God gave it. Keep going. Let's look at verse 30. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than anyone else living. Daniel claimed no superior wisdom of his own. But in order that the interpretation might be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your heart and your mind, he began to tell him what the dream and the vision was. Verse 47. The king answered Daniel, Of a truth, your God is God of gods and, your Lord, and the Lord of lords and a revealer of secret mysteries, seeing that you could reveal this secret mystery. That man's wife shows up then in chapter 5. Nebuchadnezzar's wife. Nebuchadnezzar had died, but his wife was still living. She's the queen mother. She shows up in chapter 5 when a hand 
starts writing on the wall as her son is in a drunken thing celebrating the gods of gold and silver. And a hand starts writing on the wall, meeny, meeny, tekle, you farson. <laughs> I practiced that. If you say that really fast, you can just start praying in other tongues right away. <laughs> the Bible said his, his ligaments in his hips and his knees loosened up. And uh, his knees started smiting. Never thought about that physical process before. <laughs> it explains the whole process that is everything loosened up, and they, he just started his knees started knocking. He was absolutely terrified at this mysterious hand that is writing on his wall. <laughs> of course, he asked the diviners, the magicians, the enchanters, everybody to come in and give a whack at it. They couldn't. They couldn't get it. So then what happens? The queen mother hears that her son's all in a dither. She comes in, and he was very perplexed in verse 9, and alarmed, and the color, of his, the color faded from his face. Verse 10, the queen mother, overhearing the excited words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet. The queen mother said, O king, live forever. This is her son. Do not be alarmed at your thoughts and don't let your cheerful expression, the color of your face, be changed. It's okay, baby. It's going to be okay, baby. Verse 11. Listen to this. Guys, listen to this. I love this verse. Verse 11. Are you ready? There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father. Light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. The king Nebuchadnezzar, your father, the king, I say your father appointed him master of the magicians, enchanters, and soothsayers, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Verse 12. Listen to this. Don't you like this? These are, this, this is our family. This is family stories. This is what I went to bed with. Oh, I love these stories. Because an excellent spirit, knowledge and understanding to interpret dreams and clarify riddles and solve knotty problems were found in this same Daniel whom the king mentioned, named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will show you the interpretation. I'm so proud of God. Keep reading. Verse 14. 14. I have heard. So Belteshazzar, uh, 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 the king is talking to him. Belshazzar. I have heard of you that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that light and understanding and superior, say superior wisdom. <laughs> That's what we have access to is superior wisdom. You see why whining before God, oh God, do something. He has superior wisdom. Keep going. Superior wisdom are found in you. Next verse. Verse 15. Now the wise men, the enchanters, 
have been brought in before me that they might read this writing and make known to me the interpretation of it, but they could not show the interpretation of the matter. Next verse. But I have heard of you, that you can make interpretations and solve naughty problems. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you'll be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold put about your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Next one. Then Daniel answered before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. However, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. You know why? Because he was God's man. Next verse. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and greatness and glory and majesty. And we'll get on to that tomorrow. I just am so impressed with God. Let's be impressed with our father. I think sometimes we need to remember at the, at the turn of the year, the Lord said this. He said, start feeding on the, tes the testimonies of the Old Testament again. New Testament testimonies as well. But there is a, there's a majesty in a lot of those Old Testament uh, miraculous stories. He said, start feeding on the testimonies because those testimonies are seeds for the same kind of events to come up. Now there's to be a harvest of these kind of events. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. We're going to keep praying into the future tonight. I, I just believe it honors the Holy Spirit to honor his superior wisdom. Mm. We could pray about ourselves. I'm sure there's things about your own future. We've already jumped and shouted about our own futures. But I tell you what, let's do. Let's just on purpose pray about the future of America. But let's stand in the court of heaven as sons of God. Hallelujah. The court of heaven far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Hallelujah. Let's stand in the court of heaven. And I tell you what, I'd be happy if, if we just all just gathered in close to one another. Let's just come up around and David, if you can just play and oh, brakashike. I am just so blessed to stand with my brothers and sisters. We have the same father. We have the same Lord. We have the same spirit. We have one baptism. We have one God. We have one word. Hallelujah. And it is one name that we worship tonight. We worship that name. No other name. How, how does those words go? No other name. We don't have to sing that song right now, but what is it? No other name that's higher. No other name that's stronger. No other name forever. Let's praise the name. No other name that heal us, no, that can free us. No other name. No other name. No other name. Let's lift up that name of Jesus. Oh, we lift up the name. Oh, we lift up the name. We lift up the name. We lift up the name.